This is Cinema Degeneration. I am the devil, and I am here to do the devil's work. I, I just can't take no pleasure in killing that. Just some things you gotta do. We all go a little mad sometimes. You wanna know what happens to an eyeball when it gets punctured? You just can't let them go? Go! Hi, I'm Chucky, wanna play? <laughs> Please, God. This is God. The dead will walk here. I'm just gonna bash your brains. Your suffering will be legendary even in hell. <laughs> it's alive, it's alive, it's alive. They all flow down here. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Boy, you're doomed. On our show tonight, sequel to Deja Vu, our hosts celebrate the time honor tradition of movie sequels including the good, the bad, and the very ugly. From diabolical killers who won't stay in the grave, to science fiction epics whose stories cannot be contained, to a single chapter, and so much more. Join us for the tales you love, and some that you won't believe got made in the first place. sound good Cameron <laughs> <laughs> perfect perfect uh, oh, welcome to the show <laughs> all right everybody welcome once again to cinema degenerations sequel to deja vu where our theme is sequels sequels and more sequels the good ones the bad ones the ugly ones some prequels and even remakes and as I usually say not today for the remakes but we are we're on episode about, oh gosh, I've lost count. We're on about episode 20 by this point, and we're doing our first remake. And it's quite a doozy. It's one that is divisive amongst fans, and uh, it's divisive, divisive amongst uh, my co-host and I, but it is A Nightmare on Elm Street, the 2010 Platinum Dunes remake. And uh, joining me uh, as usual, as he's been uh, my usual co-host on this show, is my good friend Eric Phillips. How are we doing today? Uh, we're doing great. Hello out there in internet land. <laughs> They're amongst the interwebs. But yeah, we're going to be doing <laughs> Nightmare on Elm Street. It, you, you know, you don't get really a film that I think is probably more divisive, probably other than the Rob Zombie's Halloween remake. It, you know, it, you get a many different you know opinions on this yeah. one and no, no, yeah no. yeah i i am i am i i am not of the popular opinion on this one and before i get raked across the coals out there let me just say this yes i am very well aware that robert england is irreplaceable <laughs> <laughs> robert england will always be freddie of course he will always be freddie 
I, we get that. That being said, it's time to give up the ghost. Freddie is not, he's first and foremost, he's not the age to be doing that kind of stuff anymore. He's getting to be an old man. He's going to have to pass the torch if you want more Freddie movies. <laughs> oh, you know? I, I agree. It's kind of like Bruce Campbell playing Ash. You know, sooner or later, you got to hang up the, the, the razor claw hang, or hang up the chainsaw. You got to hang up the chainsaw and pass it on to some bass boom stick to somebody else. That's right. <laughs> but you know, I think the, at least when they, you know, they redid Evil Dead, they did right, at least in my opinion, by not having somebody play an Ash character. They just made up a totally new character. But yeah, then, then again, we're, we're not doing we're not doing Evil Dead today. <laughs> yeah, I have I have separate problems with that movie as well. That being said, though, yeah, that is the one thing that that movie did do right is that when they went to back and remake, they're like, okay, look, we're not just gonna remake this generic. Ash character, we're gonna redo this movie, make it our own, and this is the heroine. And yeah. boom. Yeah, there you go. Great movie. Yeah, not bad. Not a bad remake. Maybe we'll cover that yeah. sometime soon. I think that's another one that's also divisive amongst fans. But I think a lot of Oh, very much so. I've got my own little story about that one when I saw it in the theater, because when I saw it in the theater, I, I was not as joyful as I am today about that movie. And that's kind of how that's kind of like this movie is, you know, you, you you've came back and said, you know, I looked at it and I'm not where I was when I first saw it. And when because I remember when you first saw it, and you're like, oh, my God, this it's horrible. Don't watch it. Just just avoid it at all costs. <laughs> and yeah, I, that, I that did for I did for, for a, a long time. I for did for a long time. Part of a decade I felt that way. <laughs> and I did. I avoided that movie like the plague for a long time. And then one day I was at Walmart and it was all like Blu-rays, five dollars. And there on the top of us, I was like, Well shit, for five bucks, I'm not gonna pass that up. I'll buy movies all day long for five dollars on Blu-ray. Right. And if they oh, don't like them, just use them as a coaster. Fuck it. That's right. Or sell them at the garage sale or whatever. Well, let's get into it. Let's get into this film. We'll, we'll do as we usually do and do the quick IMDb uh, two-sentence synopsis, which as, is as follows. The specter of a disfigured man haunts the children of the parents who murdered, murdered him, stalking and killing them in their dreams. And that is pretty much basic basic storyline right there i mean it's the same storyline as the first one they didn't really stray too far from the original as far as the plot and the storyline they're Which really the only two characters we even first said yeah and, and well I, I will say one thing they did have you know the foresight to kind of change some of the characters and just have freddie and nancy return everybody else was basically the same character but with different names you know the tina character is now chris you know rod is now jesse and that's that's actually where i have a lot of problems with it is, is a couple of the actors are just not very good at least in my opinion i, I thought thomas decker is jesse braun like i liked him when he played <laughs> believe it or not in uh, terminator the sarah connor chronicles when he played john connor but I did not like him in this. Maybe it's because he's trying to play such an asshole that it's just he actually maybe I'll take it back. Maybe he is doing a good job. Maybe he's just played in such an assholey way that I like. You know, I didn't like him. It's it, it's possible. I, I will is, say that the the uh, acting from the Springwood brats is 
kind of blasé when you compare it to the original. Uh, the right. original cast had more energy. Um, you know, they they kind of fit the part a little bit better. And in this one, it's kind of like it's just it it feels kind of cold, and it feels like there's no emotion and no investment in what they're doing. It's it just like kind of like it's we're here. Yeah, it's like we're doing a job. We're earning a paycheck. And listen to a lot of the behind the scenes and post interviews. Nobody had a good time making this movie. Nobody was proud yeah. of it when it came out. At least for the majority of them, did not speak of this movie favorably. Rooney Mara really she she almost quit acting when she yeah, made this movie. It almost made her quit acting, which is when you think about it, it's kind of sad that like if you have such a bad experience with a movie and the way it came out, that you just say like, listen, this ain't for me anymore. I'm done. It's just kind of sad, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I will say one thing. I, I love the way this movie opens. I love the Springwood Diner. We get your, you open right up into a nightmare. You get your classic red and green color scheme, creepy diner. Our character Dean, uh, played by Kellen Lutz, he's in trouble playing with knives. <laughs> you know, playing with knives while you're falling asleep is probably not the best thing in the world to be doing. Yeah, I would have to agree with that. You know, when you're tired, you shouldn't be like trying to do mumbly peg. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not going to end well. Um, speaking of the opening of this movie, did you see the alternative opening for this movie? You know, I did when it when it first came out. I saw I saw it in theaters and then I saw it again. Uh, on DVD at a friend's house where he was showing me the the deleted scenes, but I don't recall much about it. Um, In the opening scene, um, what you get is you're outside of a hospital. You can tell it's kind of a rather big hospital and you're, you're going up to a ward and as you can see, it's kind of a rather, not a great hospital, but it's still a hospital. Kind of like a Haddonfield Memorial. Yeah. Kind of like, and um, as you're coming in, um, the the foreground's panning in, and it's a patient. You can see he's all bandaged up and stuff. And he finally just kind of gives out a death gasp, and he rolls over and dies. Well, that's Freddy in a deathbed. Now, how they shot this movie. This is the first problem that I have with this movie. If you're going to reimagine Freddy, remake Freddy's look. Remake Freddy's voice remake freddy's origin story don't copy the first movie make your own film because that opening shot is brilliant if you did that instead and opened the shot with this followed by the diner scene as it opens up that would have been and amazing, you could have you you could have blended the story, and you could see this is where the studio interferes and mixes shit up because they wanted a new Freddy, they wanted to reimagine Freddy, they wanted a new Freddy, but they played but they it wanted, safe. But they played it safe, exactly. They played it safe, and they're like, we're gonna copy the first movie, and then we're gonna add little elements here and there. You could tell the person that was working on this movie with the new stuff added with the Springwood kids and stuff and the darker places that it was going. I could really see what the person was trying to do. And then the studio coming along and going, nope, 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 nope. It's got to look more like the first movie. Got to make make sure we know what the franchise is. It's like people know who Freddy are. <laughs> people know who Freddy is. 
you do not have to, <laughs> you don't have to establish it. You can make a standalone, even if you're reimagining it. You don't have to do that shit. But studio executives played it safe and screwed this movie up. Oh yeah, it was really fucked up in post. Uh, the director Samuel Bayer <laughs> almost disavowed the the entire movie and. Sad thing for him, it was his first feature film. So I can imagine it was uh, not a pleasurable experience. Yeah, it sure like, looks like it, it wasn't one from all the interviews and the special features that I've watched. and It just it seemed like it was a great concept and a miserable fucking time. Well, you know, I mean, uh, if you think about it, I mean, the Platinum Dunes... Uh, production company has was known for doing remakes they did uh was it friday the 13th texas chainsaw massacre and this was would be their last remake because of the, the horrible reception it had and you know i think this is where, where we kind of differ in opinion you as you said previous to the show as we were talking before on air shit you know you like the new quote-unquote freddy but didn't like the movie. And I'm on the other side where I kind of liked the movie a little bit and didn't like Freddy. Well, so I'm movie, interested to, see, to hear what you did like about. Okay. If you're going to, oh, first and Freddy. All right. Well, first and foremost, if you're going to, if you're going to fucking take Robert England out of the picture, you're going to reimagine Freddy. Okay. You got to build Freddy from the ground up. You yes. got to make, you've got to make it Jack Earl Haley's thing. Because that Robert England look just isn't going to work. So, okay. So what do they do? They say, all right, you know what? Instead of going the the gory Fangora type, you know. movie makeup that they did on Robert England, they're like, let's actually go and look what a real burn victim looks like and let's do the makeup that way. And so they they poured hours and hours and hours into this makeup. Um, I think the original start time in chair was six hours and they got it down to three and a half finally. So, you know, that's three and a half hours of makeup every day of shooting. Yeah, not not bad. counting how long to get out of it. I'm sure it was probably right. an hour or two just to get out of that makeup. You know, and, and the man, th- where they did the CGA right in the movie is that Jack Earl Haley has that face that's so sunken in that you can add modeling clay when you're casting his face. And, you know, you can build on it and not make it look so, you know alien and foreign and 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 not of his nature it'll look natural and then you can go back and carve into that and make the deep divots that they did in the freddy makeup because you can see that they put patches of green screen in there to yeah i did see out. that i did see a little bit of that in some of the behind the scenes stuff that i did watch. yeah they they hollowed that out and put green screen fabric in there so that when they when they shot it, it would, you know, make that look like that hollow, deep, burned through muscle damaged tissue. And I mean, that is beautiful makeup effects. Beautiful. The fact that they spent hours just on the hat to get the hat look right. And they put 
you know, little slashes in the hat, like he had grabbed the hat and picked it up with his clawed glove. Just little stupid details like that. The fact that they poured hours into that hat, the fact that they poured hours into remaking the glove so that it's still that iconic Freddy glove, but it's different and it looks brand new. Yeah, it does look new. The thing I didn't like about the glove was Jack Earl Haley's usage of it. It seemed very fluttery, like when he was in some wide shots, he was fluttering the fingers. It, it almost seemed like he was uncomfortable with the glove. Maybe I'm wrong, but it just... Well, no, he, he was actually... Uh, he's used to... Think about this, man. If you're stalking somebody, he's the Springwood slasher. He used to stalk little kids with that glove and, and freaking kill him. Well, in this one, he's a pedophile, which, I mean, is more grounded, and which is another thing. You know, I understand why Robert England kind of went like, uh, pass. <laughs> well, I mean, in the original, it, w- it was implied. It was but- implied, but it was never really it was never really spoken or, or made. It was just he was the Springfield slasher. and He was a child killer. Yes, yeah, he makes was more or less apparent- a child killer. Child this killer, is what makes yeah. it apparently obvious that he is a child molesting, killing creepophobe. And so, you know, they, they took it to a darker place, which, you know what? And, and I'll be the first one to say this. Like I said, folks, don't get me wrong. I love every single Freddy movie that ever existed, even, even you know, up to Freddy versus Jason. <laughs> even the cheesy Freddy Krueger fucking TV show that existed back in the day. I will always yeah, love Freddy. I will ad- admit to to my dying day how much I have stupid mad love for that TV show, and <laughs> right. I, I shouldn't because I'm gonna I'm gonna admit it. It's not good, but goddamn, I admit it. Most of, most of the time it's not good. Nine times out of ten, it was not good, but goddamn, yeah. I love it. But yeah, yeah. But we grew up with Freddy everywhere, Freddy everywhere, Freddy everywhere. Even though we had a Freddy fucking video game and we had a Freddy board uh, game. Board game. Did we have a Freddy cereal? Was there a Freddy cereal? I, uh, there might have been. That might be from my Funko Pop collection, though, that I'm thinking. I, I don't know. But still. But there was, there was Freddy everything. I know there was Freddy toys and Freddy dolls and... <laughs> You know, we had all we, we were oversaturated with Freddy as a kid. So, like I said, I will always love Freddy. But that being said, when I think of Freddy Krueger, I think of creepy serial killing, slashing boogeyman that preyed on teenagers, preyed on little kids when he was alive, preyed on teenagers when he died for revenge. And then. By the end of three and the start of four, it was like stand up with Freddy. Yeah. <laughs> or, you know, it, it, it went on like, comedy overload. It really did. And it was like, it was like, oh, yeah, I get it. Okay. Ha ha ha. Yeah. Freddy's funny. Freddy's great. Uh, that's a cool kill. But it just, it, it lost that bite. And when Jack Earl Haley came into the role, and they, they 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 did the makeup and he did that voice and the way that the darkness came about it. They brought the menace of Freddy back. And it brought it back to <laughs> almost the level it was like in part two. Because I'm the first one to admit my favorite Nightmare on Elm Street movie is part three. That's just me. This is my opinion. I love part three. But Freddy was never more creepy, never more menacing than he was in part two. You know, yeah. it, it was just so it was just so gruesome, you know, and I, I will admit, like, while the, the comedy levels of Freddy, uh, you know, 
went way up with the the further the sequels went in. I have to admit, I kind of I kind of like that, you know. <laughs> I will admit, I, I like that, but I also like my Freddy to be a little bit menacing at the same time. You know, you can't right. can't lose the menacing side of it. Right. I don't mind a little bit of humor. A little bit of humor is fine, but these zany dad jokes that he kept friggin' doing, and it was like every other kill, it'd be a fucking pun. It's like, uh, dad jokes from Freddy. Even they're not good. <laughs> dad jokes but, are never good. But yeah, that's what that's what that's where I'm at with with the new Freddy. It's like, of course, it's not Robert England. It's yeah, you, Robert England is. First and foremost, I don't know if they even offered him that part, but I don't see Robert England as the type of person to go on. Yeah, you know what? I've played this character for years. Let's make him even darker by confirming the fact that he's a creepy rapo. <laughs> you know? Well, I know he had, he had a certain point where he was ready to, to turn the character over, uh, which is yeah, just, he, to me, sad because, you know, with the makeup, you know, and... And, you know, stunt people, I'd still feel like at his age, he could still do it. He could still pull it off. But then again, I, I know my own limitations as a man only in his 40s. You know, I can imagine, you know, he's 70 now, you know, so he he's probably like, nah, nah, I don't want to do that kind of shit anymore. I don't want to be in makeup for right. five hours a day. I'm you know? ready to retire and. And I think that's audiobooks. And right, that's right. Fine. You know, I'm sit here and pet my dog on Animal Planet, you know. <laughs> uh, yeah, right. I mean, fucking the man gave us seven movies and you know, on two top seasons of, that, of a TV show. Two seasons of a TV show, millions of friggin' Comic Con and horror conventions and just TV shows and everything he's been on. And then on top of it, all the other horror movies he's given us. You know. It's time to let the man rest, and it's time to let that that be passed. And I think that Jack Earl Haley did a good job. I think that you know he made it his own. Of course, yeah, he's not, he, the voice isn't going to sound like Freddie. He can't sound like Robert Englund's Freddie. Why would he want him to? Why would you really? Would you rather have somebody in a mask doing a bad Robert Englund impression? Or would you rather him have rebuild Freddy from the ground up and make him a brand new character, brand new voice, everything else, and be like, look, yeah, we know it's not Robert England. Because at least they're being honest. I'll, I'll give him that much. I just, I guess, you know, uh, my nostalgia factor just kicks in too much. And I just can't look past Freddy Krueger being anybody, but but I, I can't see anybody being Freddy Krueger but Robert England. Now, if the, the thing is, is it's like they couldn't meet in the middle of the they couldn't meet in the middle of the road how they wanted to do Freddy and how they wanted to do the movie. They wanted to make it their own, but they had so many winks and nods. You know, I, I'm all for some of the nostalgia and winks and nods. But if you're going to remake a movie, don't you know, it's almost yeah. like they remade it shot for shot, like a, like the Psycho remake. Damn yeah. Near. Like, for instance, and, like. And- well, they they made it they remade it for shot for shot, but they made it reshot for shit sometimes too. Yeah, like prime example is um, the uh, after the whole diner scene, we get the horrible CGI Freddy through the wall through the first time. The uh. original. All right, let me tell you right now that Freddy through the wall that was the most god awful part of that damn movie. It looked. So freaking horrible. 
And if you go back to the original movie and you look how they shot that exact same scene with practical effects, it looks so much creepier. Yeah, that was my first like no-no list item is that they they remade it using some CGI has its place in a movie. It does have a place when done well, but man, it just looked bad. Yes, it was horrible. And all you film students listening out there, never use CGI for what you can do with practical effects. You will hear this from Tom Savini. You will hear this from every fucking movie maker out there worth their grain of salt. Don't do CGI when you can do it with practical effects. It's going to show up and look much better. Yeah, use CGI, in my at least in my opinion, use CGI to accent and accentuate yes, a scene. Yes, it's... It's like it's like cilantro. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You don't use it as the main ingredient in your dish. You use it as a spice. <laughs> right? You don't put you don't make cilantro tacos, man. You make tacos with beef and then you put a little bit of onion and a little bit of this and a little bit of that and then you add a little tiny bit of cilantro for flavor. Yeah. That's you, if you have a complete cilantro burrito, you're going to gag. <laughs> yeah, right? You just go oh, What is this? It's horrible. Why would they serve this to us? Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's kind of what this movie was to me. You know, I'm like, well, I will admit, I I love Jack Earl Haley. I I loved him in Dollman. I loved him in Bad News Bears. I loved him in Watchmen. You know, uh, but I I just couldn't buy him as Freddy. God damn it. I hate to keep saying it, but I just couldn't (laughs) buy him. Like Chris's death, I'll talk. Let's talk about Chris's death a little bit. It mirrors Tina's from the the original, from the OG Nightmare. Oh, uh, this is this is my no no list number two. Yeah, yeah, this is we we're talking about no 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 list number two. Yeah, uh, the, the dancing on the ceiling. Yeah, it it looked again. It looked CGI'd and it looked fake as fuck. Now, when you go back yeah. and look at that original, it, it didn't crazy. even look. It, it it didn't even look CGI and fake. It looked ridiculous. It looked like all that was missing was the freaking Benny Hill yakety sax music. <laughs> she's rolling. I mean, she's rolling around and she's getting beat against the wall and stuff. It's comical looking in the remake. It's so comical looking. And then you go back to 1984, and what's your view? Oh, it's fucking terrifying. <laughs> exactly. It, it's absolutely terrifying. Well, also, you get to be invested in the Tina character. You get to know her a lot in this mo- in that movie. In this one, you hardly get introduced to Chris, and then she's just like, oh, Chris, I'm Nancy's friend. Our friend Dean died, and then I'm, de- you know, I'm just dead. Yeah, I, I'm it, dead, it's, too. I have it, no connection to these people outside. I was banging this guy after I broke up with Chris. Fucking Quentin's best friend. Yeah. <laughs> right before he died in the diner. Oh, I'm dead too. You go back and you look at the original with Tina, and it's like you get to know Tina first and foremost. I mean, at least a little bit, as much as you're going to get to know her for as long as she's in the story. But there's good back. There's good backstory there. And yeah. then all of a sudden, she's bleeding and getting dragged up the walls, screaming for her boyfriend. Bleeding all over the freaking place, and then more blood comes out. And then she hits the bed and it splashes on the guy's face. And he's always like, "Oh, 
this one, you know, she rolls around, gets beaten on the floor, just one cut. Yeah, one. And then that's it. It just and seems... she just and it's, and it's a gasp. It's not. And it's just <clears throat> and then <clears throat> nothing. I will they say one combine thing. Combine the two. If I you're will... gonna remake, if you're gonna remake that, you should you, you should have made it as gory or gorier than Tina's. Not less gory. That was fucking horrible. It was like watching a PG-13 movie, and this movie was not PG-13. You had a, a plenty of gore, but they just uh, they played it safe with that scene, I think. I, I don't know. It was just... <sighs> but just like in the OG, the original one, the, the Rod slash uh, Jesse character, he, he, to put it quite bluntly, he's a cunt rag. He, he's an even bigger <laughs> cunt rag in this movie than he was in the first one. Like... He's just just so condescending. You know, he's like, I'm here for you. I'm here to help you. I'm here. But sh- shut up. Just quit talking about this stuff. It's not real. You're just overreacting. But I'm here for you. It's like, th- you're, you're not there for her if you're not listening to her. Right? Like, yeah, Jesse, quite a cut rag, I have to say. <laughs> and one thing I have to say, I, 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 I can watch people in movies get killed all day long. I can watch people die all day long in movies, and it just doesn't affect me. It just doesn't. You know, as if it's a cool kill scene and it's a cool effect, I'm there for it. But when you get into killing animals, I'm just not about that. And I have to say, poor Rufus. Poor yeah. Rufus didn't do anything. I, I do like the line that Freddie has, and he's like, I was just petting him. I, I, I do kind of like the line. But, yeah, poor Rufus. He didn't deserve that. But uh, that didn't make any sense either because it's like, okay, so you can enter the dog's dreams and kill the dog? Right. <laughs> I guess, you know, Freddy I doesn't mean, discriminate. I, mean, I guess Freddy, well, not only that, but it's like, would Freddy Krueger really spend his time? Like, I, he must hate dogs, man. He must be one of those people that just like to kick dogs or something, man. Because well, I don't see Freddy Krueger wasting his time. If he's a child molester, I mean, I guess he'd be a, a dog kicker too, right? Yeah, I mean, if we're gonna make him horrible person. Let's make him an all-out horrible person. Oh look, he's also got a member for the clan. <laughs> <laughs> His Christmas outfit is a Ku Klux Klan member sheet. You know, right? Ah, right oh, the next kind of no-no moment, or not no-no moment, but just bullshit moment. Is when Jesse intrudes on Nancy. He's being chased by the cops, so he goes to run into Nancy's house. And she's very accepting of the fact that he just shows up covered in blood. I mean, she's having the same nightmare, so I get it. But at the same time, I would think he was guilty as fuck. Like, oh, I didn't kill her. I swear to God, as he comes into the house, he's, you know, as he climbs through her window. Soaked you know, in blood. Soaked in blood. I didn't do it. I'd be like, mm, I think you did. I think you did, sir. <laughs> I'm gonna, evidence detects otherwise. <laughs> yeah, and let's talk about let, let's talk a little bit about the parents in this movie. And this is where this movie takes a major detractor for me. Is Clancy Brown? Clancy yeah. Brown is a, an amazing presence, an amazing actor with an, an amazing voice, and he is severely underutilized in this movie. He's just yes, down he to the like. Get in the car. You're coming with me. You know, in this kind of mode. He's relegated to just bullshit. 
not only and not only that, but I mean, the man's a horror icon. Yeah. I mean, fucking Pet Cemetery Two, Carnival, friggin' uh, uh was it the uh, Mortuary Collection? It is a Mortuary a good... Collection. Yeah. Um, John dies uh, at the end. I think he. Yeah, he was in that. Yeah. Yeah, John dies at the end. He. Um. Uh. What the. What the hell was the TV show he was on? It's about uh, um, well, he was on um, Ichabod Crane coming back to life and solving mysteries. It was freaking stupid. The premise of the I mean, show, not, but it's he was a great character on it. They're not horror, but I mean, Shawshank Redemption and Starship Troopers oh, again, major fucking roles. Uh, Shawshank Redemption—he's still a villain in Shawshank Redemption. That man is evil. <laughs> that man goes out okay. That's still villainy and horror are hand in hand. And that let me tell you something. If you've ever been to fucking jail or prison, that is an all different kind of horror show. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that Give me your fruit cup. <laughs> Hold my pocket. Right. But yeah, I mean, it, it's just it's just sad that they underutilize him the way he they do in this, you know, I mean, yeah, I but the man that with over ex- 300 credits to his name, he deserved better in this movie. Yes. Especially cause you know, I see him and, and I get excited because I'm like, okay, this is going to be a good fucking movie. This is going to be a good role. Cause he almost always picks his roles so well. I mean, he does well with what little they give him. You yes. know, he, he does not ever feel once like they, like they had him like, he just never felt like he phoned it in. But yeah. he did the best, you know. He he takes every job seriously. I feel. But like. if yeah, but if you put him in your movie, man, you you don't delegate him as asshole dad number two. Yeah, yeah. But that being said, that, that that's where the the adults, quote unquote, I'm using air quotes here that you can't see, where they under you you know misuse the the adults in this movie. Yeah, Connie Britton is just miscast as Nancy's uh, mother, and. Clancy Brown is is just sadly underutilized as the dad, as uh, uh, Quentin's dad. But you know, I, I, I don't know, we'll get we'll get past that. I don't want to hang on anything like that for too for too long. <laughs> now I will have this. Uh, th- this is a good. Uh, my next note here is one of the uh, one of the things I did like about this. There's a one line in here that I really really like. I put it down as the best line of the movie. I'm not sure if you'll agree with me or not. But I love it when Freddie says to him, why are you screaming? I haven't even cut you yet. God, I love that line. That is a good line. They have the point where he tells them about, you know, brain shutdown and whatnot and and how it's really, really can go put you into a permanent coma. And it's a real and scary thing. It's a it's it's actually a little bit that I like that they work some real life kind of sleep yeah. deprivation type lingo into the movie because I studied up on that I, I looked into it I'm like ah oh, that's a bunch of bullshit because I paused the movie I'm like typing into Google I'm like nope I'm like no micro naps are real yeah yeah it's called micro napping and uh, it's basically you're you stay up long enough your body starts to force sleep on you and you will sleep while you're awake and it's uh fucking it's happened <laughs> you know that's when you get people seeing shit and you know it, it, i used to work third shift and when i got I sin- did too for a insomnia <laughs> i get insomnia so there would be days where i'd be working 
12 hour shifts. And then I'd have to call off because I couldn't sleep that night and I'd be up for friggin' days just trying to fucking get to sleep because my insomnia has kicked in and <laughs> you know, you'll, you'll start. It's not like, you know, people be like, Oh, I see little green men and shit. It's not shit like that. It's stupid little shit. Like you'll see like a bottle in the corner of your eye move all of a sudden and you'll look and it's right there. You know, it hasn't moved. It just looked like it moved. <laughs> well, what would happen to me when I worked at the truck stop many years ago and I was working third shift, I'd work from 10 o'clock at night till six o'clock in the morning. Sometimes the odd, odd shifts from like 4 PM to 2 AM, just weird shifts, you know, eight to 10 hours a day, I would seriously only remember about half of what I was doing. It'd be like, oh, all of a sudden you're telling me two to three hours have passed. How and where, <laughs> you know? So yeah, that's sleep deprivation yeah. is, a, is a real fucking thing. Uh, another thing that was really good that they did about this movie was the repressed memory gimmick. It had potential, but they didn't go anywhere with it. Yeah, it was just used merely as a plot device, and they didn't expand upon it at, at all. It should have been. It was just like it, it was played upon the idea of like, mom, quit lying to me. It was just like you know, in that kind of mode, the teen angsty. Will you quit lying to me, mother? And, oh, and, 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 and why would she hide that file? Why would the mother hide that file behind the. the it's such an obvious it? place. Yeah, if you were going to hide it, hide it in a safe or hide it in, in a, a really hiding place, not like it, it just shoved behind the drawer of right. Your if you were going to get, the, I mean, if you if you really wanted to repress those memories, put them in an attic somewhere or even go get a bank box or something, you know, don't hide it here. It's going to be right here. So you just stumble across it. Yeah, because you can stumble across it 10 years later and. Why would you keep that picture anyway? Why, why would you keep it? Because, you know, evidence, I guess. Right. <laughs> well, not only that, but here's the thing. Is this, is, this is, again, this is where I say you can see where the studio interfered versus the, where they were going. They had, like I said, you take it into the credit. The, if they would have, they could have took and played it safe and still made it good had they expanded. If instead of, you know, trying to go the whole, we're going to interweave the first movie lore and killings with this new stuff. If they, if they would have skipped all that shit and did the opening scene where, okay, Freddie is a child molester. He's molesting children and he's slashing them. He's got him at this preschool. Now he's, they've friggin' at this point in the movie. Um, all we know is that the dude was molesting kids. The parents know he was molesting kids, but yeah, they never well, found. Well, they never found any. You know, they never took it. Well, <laughs> other than the kids telling them that, that he, yeah, he, he was, was doing, doing things, they never took it right. to the police. They never properly, you know, said, "Hey, you know, this guy is molesting our kids. Do something about it." They just went vigilante right. mode. They went Halloween kills, evil dies tonight bullshit, and. Uh, <laughs> Right. And, and just like we're taking this into our own hands instead of going through a proper procedure right. of like, hey, prosecute this motherfucker. Right. Find so evidence. 
So they did vigilante justice. Now, now remember, this is when they were in preschool. So they're all like, what, maybe six? Yeah, six, maybe seven at the oldest. Now they're driving. So that means they're 17 at this point, 16, 17. It's at least a good good 10 years years later. Yeah, 10, 11 years. Yeah, we'll say 10. We'll say we'll be we'll be say 10 to be conservative. Yeah. So if they would have did the opening shot of that first movie with Freddy in the bed dying right there and there in that final gasp, that means he sat there in with a as a burn victim and suffered for 10 years before he finally died. All right. That gives you good baseline for a new rebuilding of Freddy as a boogeyman. You know, he could have been. The, the friggin right there you got a new storyline but you didn't do that you didn't use it you just went chuck that shit right out nope we're gonna use the whole springwood slasher thing okay well that's fine you could have still done that but that little detail right there that little detail added to the lore and you could have like i said you're rebuilding you're reimagining freddy so yeah it, it, it was a, it's, one it's, they played things safe in some respects, and then when they didn't play it safe, it was cut to shit by the, you know, the money men, right? And and fucked with. It's like, hey, when we did try to do something different, we're just like, nope, not gonna have it. Right again. See, and and that's where this movie, this movie got killed from three things: one, fan hatred. Because everybody saw the freaking first Freddy. They saw the trailer. They saw Freddy makeup. They saw what Freddy looked like. And they were just like, that's not Freddy. We're fucking out. So that right there took a hard fucking chunk. Because there's a lot of hardcore Freddy fans. Hardcore, hardcore Well, you know, and I I got to admit my own faults here. And I was part of that. When I first seen it. I was too. You know, I I was not having it. You know, and like I said, I find this movie in a little bit more of a favorable light than I did. Because we'll, we'll, you know, we'll save our, our our ratings, you know, for the end as we always do. But I'll kind of tell you where my rating was at when I first saw it, and then my rating now. But we'll get into that later. But yeah, yeah, that is definitely the first fault. The the toxic fandom just and I played into it. You know, I'm as guilty as anybody else. Oh yep, yep. I ate it. I ate the cornbread too. Yep. Drank the Kool Aid, <laughs> right? Yeah, drank the Kool Aid. As it laughed it up with a smile on my face. So there, that was the first thing that killed it. The second thing that killed it was the freaking studio pissing around, and instead of going, okay, we're gonna if we're gonna rebuild Freddy from the floor up, we're gonna rebuild Freddy from the floor up. Not this. We're gonna rebuild Freddy, but we're gonna remake the first movie. But we're gonna add some of this shit in it too that goes nowhere. You know? Yeah. Like what? So that is the other thing. And the third thing is is that, and Robert England nailed this one on the head. And when 2010 released, do you know what came out just three months before then? What was that? The Blu-ray collection of the entire Freddy uh, series up to and including Freddy vs. Jason. So everybody that was a Freddy fan went out, got the Blu-ray collection because it was this was back when Blu-ray first dropped. And that was the first official Nightmare on Elm Street Blu-ray. Everybody went and got it. 
Yep. You had a whole uh, new gen- you you had a whole new generation of people and a whole new generation of kids being introduced to who Freddy is. And those movies look so good in a fucking dark room at night with the popcorn on. It's it's just it's inevitable. Those movies will stand and hold the test of time because they were shot great and they're spooky and they're creepy. You know, not so much for the later films, but those first yeah, I'd the say first- the first four. Yeah, the first four, the really the first misfire is Freddy was part five. It's to be honest, uh, part five and New Nightmare are probably my two least favorites. I still like them, but it's the difference between, you know, let me put it this way. It's like I've often said, there's a difference between a good movie and a great movie. Those are just good movies. The first four are great movies. Yes. You know, and and I will admit, and I'll admit this on the air here because I I know we're going to cover it at some point. I love me some Freddy's Dead. I know that's where the the comedy went off the rails, but but you know what? At I that point, at that point, the, we had just gotten out of Dream Child, and let's face it, half Freddy, half Child. That was just <laughs> that was just an abomination. <laughs> it was an abomination of a movie. Still good because Freddy and the the one liners and the kills make it good, but let's let's let, let's let, let's not. Who who here is, fan, is the biggest fan of five? You know, yeah. Waiting, we're waiting to hear from <laughs> anybody. You. Anybody? Crickets, crickets. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. But, and and I'm I'm of, of the opinion I and a lot of people uh, love this movie because it's Wes Craven, but I didn't like New Nightmare. I didn't like where they took things with New Nightmare. It's just, yeah, it was. Eh. I like some of the meta, the meta-ness of it, you know. But again, all it was in just all, a, it, was it was just it was it was a way to recycle a movie they've already shot. Yeah, it was just weak sauce. And that's kind of what they did with this movie too. Is they yeah. shot a movie they've already shot. It's a cheap, safe way to to do shit. And that's like I said, in between, you know, the Blu-ray release. The fan hatred and the studio, you know, meddling. That's what ultimately killed this movie. It could have stood a chance. It could have been a really good Freddy movie. And, you know, it just, it just it got wasn't. slammed. Yeah, it got fucked from all sides. Now, speaking of fuck sides, though, I'll be interested to get your opinion on this because this is a part that I felt was really another case of uh, the director and the studio not being on the same page. They play up the angle there for a moment with the flashback that Freddie might have been innocent. They, they and they play upon that for a bit because he's running, he's crying, he's you know trying to protect himself yeah, and he hide. Looks, and, he's like, and he looks very frail and yeah. weak. And, yeah, and and he looks very convincing that he's like, I didn't do anything, you know, and he's crying. Yeah. Now they played upon that even with. Nancy and Quentin finding things out and like, well, we, we might have been lying. We don't remember. We had all these repressed memories. How do we know if it was true or not? Well, they played from that angle of whether or not that, that, that Freddie was innocent. Right. And first and foremost, let me say right here and right now, those children at the age that they were, you know, I don't think they would have forgotten that so easily. That That's a pretty big trauma. Yeah, and but, at least not in its entirety. They might have like not, forgotten the details. Not its entirety, but that's a pretty big 
that's a pretty big charge. The, the fact that they, and it, you know, that's a pretty big fucking charge to be given on people. And the fact that they didn't even go to the cops and be like, hey, all our kids are saying this. All our kids are showing with scratch marks on their backs, this, that, and the other thing. And they're telling us these things. You need to go investigate this motherfucker. You know, we don't, we're, I mean, maybe it happened, but we're never given that information. All we're given is of the next information is that the parents chased this guy down and set this motherfucker ablaze. Yeah, and that's another part that with that is some more bad CGI. With <laughs> when Freddy first runs out of the building on fire, is clearly a man in you know that that is was a stunt man that was set on fire and running in a burn suit. Right, you know, that looked good. But when he comes running into the close up with those CGI flames on his face, it's like, jeez, yeah, <laughs> like CGI. In my kind. opinion, CGI should never be used for fire. It should never be used for fire. I can pick it out almost every time. Maybe not every time, damn it, but just about. I just can't get it. But what I was yeah. aiming at is that they play upon that for a good, what, 10, 15 minutes of the movie. Maybe not and quite that long. Like, nope, and then they drop nope. it. And then they drop it. Like, no. Nope. Nope. He's a complete fucking scumbag. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah, we, we found his little, like, play space. We found his cave, as they called it. And, like, yep, he, it, he it's was a, a it's, pedophile. It's almost, you know, it's almost like a ha-ha moment with it. It's like, ha-ha, major head feelings for a pedophile. <laughs> you know, it's like, fuckers. Yeah, it, it did for a moment because the way and, he's crying and he's begging, you know, just like, oh, man, they... And, they and, well, here's... And, an innocent man. And here we go again, and this is where I say the studio fucked up. Because had they made Freddy Krueger actually innocent this time, he wasn't the Springfield slasher. You know, something. They could have worked around that. And then the opening scene of him dying in the hospital again all links back to this, you know, this revenge of why that that's where where he's like, Can you turn back time? Can you bring back the dead? <laughs> that would have made sense. Yeah, but because instead, it, they're it, like, it, no, they, know, it, he was already a monster. You know, it would have been different if they would have created a monster out of an innocent man, you know, kind of. Yeah, that would have been the way to rebuild Freddy. But yeah, they just they fucked it but up. But They fucked it. Yeah. Like I said, they, and they had the fucking they had everything there. They had every tool necessary necessary to make this a good movie. And they just didn't. They fucked up what could have been, you know, what would have made this Freddy original. Yep. And again, and then another misfire, or at least this a trope that I ha- I really really hate, is them always making the sure that every doctor in one of these movies is a complete asshole. Yeah, right. Now Who after the deal fa- with that. Yeah, after the pharmacy sequence. Now I I got to interject this for a second. I thought the pharmacy sequence where she is falling in and out of sleep. You know, where Nancy is kind of crawling around and Freddie's stalking her and she's, you know, everything's going in and out of dreamland. I thought that was very well orchestrated and very well put together. But then she gets her arm slashed. Quentin takes her to the hospital and the doctors are just like, oh, your, your daughter's being uncooperative. We need to knock her out. And, you know, hey, it's it's her choice you know as this 18 year old i'm sure she was at least 17 18 that she could make her own choice whether or not she wants to be knocked the fuck out i mean right 
But the asshole doctor's like, here, sign this document, you know, and they're pushing it. And the doctor is such an asshole about it. I just hate the way they portrayed doctors every time in one of these movies. Like, we know best. Just do what we say. And we'll, you know, it's, just, it's, just, it's just kind of a trope that I feel is very tired, I guess. Right. But when they're running and and <laughs> and Quentin and Nancy take off and they take and they're they're driving away she, he takes that that big syringe full of adrenaline this they thinks is going to save save him and even Nancy says do you even know what like what's in that you even know what that's going to do to you and he's like it'll help and he takes it he instantly falls the fuck asleep within seconds later and drives the car off the side of the road when Freddy's in the street. I guess that's what the adrenaline uh, didn't fucking work, right? <laughs> yeah. And, and shit adrenaline. Yeah, shit adrenaline. And not only that, they crash. They, they walk about 10 steps away from the crash site, and they are just magically at the preschool that they didn't even know, A, that they ever went to because... As the picture of them said, oh, I didn't know these people before high school. How, how would they have such repressed memories that they wouldn't know, know that they had knew these people for a fucking decade? And they right. wouldn't remember the school they went to. Is this, is this movie script convenience? You know, is this a plot device? Like, uh, we need to have them walk about 20 feet down the road. And, oh, they just happened to crash here by the school. And that is just conveniently shut down as well. I just hate things that are done just for the sake of movie convenience. You know, I realize this plot device. I'm a writer. I know these things, but right. doesn't mean Why I have they to fucking like... show up there and somebody's rented the fucking building and now they're fucking using the place to bake bread or some shit. Like, oh, <laughs> this place is now a Chipotle. Okay, well, fuck. son of a bitch. I, I wanted answers, but I guess I'm getting refried beans, man. Okay, I don't know. I do like though when they find Freddy's cave. And they had that realization, like, oh, he really was, uh, like, uh, a serial killer and a serial pedophile. I mean, like, I, I, I kind of like it, but I kind of don't because they do away with that. Oh, Freddie was innocent. They should have stuck with that. They should have. They should have just fucking stuck with that. But they're going with the same movie trope that they went with in the original. Nancy pulls out a section of his uh, sweater in the one one nightmare that she's having. So what's she going to do? Put me asleep so I can grab him and bring him back into reality. And you know what it is too, I think? I think they couldn't figure out a way to make Freddy without him not being a fucking slasher and innocent. Uh, a, a taker of innocence. I don't yeah. think they, they, they knew how to make him a boogeyman. And that's why you got the studio fucking up. Whereas, you know, me and you can take a look at it and go, oh, well, here you go. Here's your friggin' story right here and all the stuff you just gave us. You know, well, it's it not that just, hard. It's like certain I mean, things that they've messed up. Like, I'm, I'm going to bring this up as an example. Halloween 3. Making that, you know, part of, A, they messed up by just calling it Halloween 3 when it should have just been Season of the Witch. But, you know, the, the one thing they could have done to link that all into the Halloween um, Michael Myers mythos was just have one of the three masks be a Michael Myers mask. Like, well, hmm, did nobody think of that when they were doing that? I mean, I love well, Halloween 3 as a standalone movie, but come on. Well, see, if you look at Halloween 3 the way I look at Halloween 3. So, see, D, we're going to get do we're going to have to do Halloween 3. Oh yeah, I love, I love so we're gonna, we're, Halloween. We're, we're, because we're gonna sidetrack on this. 
Well, know, we can sidetrack a little bit. It's our show. We can do it. All right. Well, Halloween 3, the way that I look at it is if you look at 1 and 2, if you listen carefully to Halloween 1 and 2 originally, they talk about the Druids and, you know, the, the whole 1 through 6 is all about the Druids. Halloween 3 is about the Druids coming and playing pranks and taking the lives of children through these masks. And they moved a piece of Stonehenge to use the power of the Druids to do it. And, you know, and, you know, the deeper you get into the mythos of Michael Meyer, depending on which freaking franchise and timeline you're going into. Well, the most convoluted timeline and in, in franchise in, in history. Although I have a lot of love for a lot of the, the movies, but yeah, most convoluted timeline in the history. One through six are my favorite. I like the Thorn series. It makes the most sense. But yeah, I mean, I'm 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 saying this as being somebody who is pro Halloween three. I love Halloween three. I have always loved. I'm not one of these people who had just. But they're all they're all connected through the druids. This is we want to be we want to be a standalone Freddy movie, but we're scared. (laughs) Yeah, we're. It's like we had some ideas for some original type stuff, but no, we're just we're just gonna again play it safe. Hold our hand, 1984. <laughs> <laughs> 1984, will you lead us through the dark force so we don't have to go through it alone? You know what? That's what it is. It's like hearing a story from your grandfather. You know, the actual story when you're there looks so looks so much more graphic than the story that you were told. <laughs> you know, it's it's like a friggin' yeah. You reimagined Freddy. Through the eyes of a fucking 12-year-old. What is this CGI garbage? (laughs) But what do you think about the ending of this movie? Let's start wrapping things up here a bit. The way they sum things up. I feel like the the finality of it, when Nancy pulls Freddy out of the dreamland, it's over in two minutes. And they do Freddy in in such a just... In a bullshit sort of way, and they even recycle a Freddy versus Jason line. Welcome to my world now. You're in my world now, bitch. I was just like, really? Like that's how we're gonna sum this up? After putting us through this for an hour and forty minutes, you're just gonna chop Freddy's gloved hand off, slice his throat, and that's it? Uh, uh what? Like what the fuck? Yeah, it was very unclimactic. And you go, like I said, you go back to 1984 and you look at the battle at the end with him and Nancy versus the battle with him and Nancy now. And first and foremost, for there's a lot of people out there, I hear this shit all the time, they don't make enough women with powerful roles in Hollywood. Nancy is a prime example of a good, solid case of that not being true. You look at the struggle from Nancy's character from the beginning of The Nightmare on Elm Street, 1984, to the end of the movie with her battle with Freddy at the end, versus Nancy versus Freddy, 2010. 
they took all the life and all the power out of that character and made her a lame duck made her a lame victim in a sense i mean she friggin come to at the end but only with the help of her boyfriend Nancy's boyfriend in 1984 fucking got sucked through a bed and turned into fucking soup. Greatest fucking line in the 1984 movie is, has the coroner seen this yet? He's in the bath. (laughs) Does the coroner have a statement on this yet? He's been in the bathroom throwing up ever since he's seen it. So in other words, yeah, the coroner's first statement on the case was, oh, God! Oh. I'm not going to throw up my fucking pea soup over here. Uh, and, and oh, I, oh. Yeah, and they even tried to recreate that for like a half a hot second with the reverse, you know, geyser of blood when Nancy falls through the, the blood floor and through into her bedroom. Again, yeah. just trying to recreate that for a two-second two shot, and it just doesn't work. It's just like and recreating Tina's death. It just doesn't work. Yeah, it just it, it was it was horrible. Now, I what I really hated is they recycled the Freddy versus Jason line. You're in not my world now, bitch. Yeah, uh, I didn't even catch that. Yeah, when You're she right. When, oh wow. God, that's that just uh, it makes me yeah. worse. Yeah, recycled uh. fucking Freddy versus Jason line. I mean, come on. And, and they and they finish them off so easily. They take that that paper shredder thing. What I don't know the proper, you know, the name of it is. It's a, actually like, it's a paper it's a paper cutter. Is yeah. what it is. Yeah, and they chop off Freddy's hand, slice his throat. Like, oh, it hurts, doesn't it? That's because you're in my world now, bitch. And it's like, oh, God, no. They really did that. But Freddy's defeated way too easy. Yeah. Eh. The one thing I will admit to liking, and I, I heard a lot of people bol- pull some bullshit on this one. I like the final death of, of uh, Nancy's mother. I thought the love coming through her face and pulling her back through the mirror was great. It actually, you know, it was CGI, but it didn't look horrible. No, that was the one part of the CGI. The one part of the CGI that looked good. Yep. Yeah, the final death of Nancy's mother was stellar, and I felt like for a movie that was a series of low notes, uh, it ended on somewhat of a high note. And I'm not talking about Nancy's scream. I'm just talking about her mother's death. But, you know, but, uh, yeah, th- this movie could still, I know you, I, I said at the beginning, folks, that I, I'm coming in higher on this and, and had a different realization of the movie than I did when I first saw it. But let's go ahead. Let's get into our final thoughts and ratings on this sucker. And then I can get into a little bit more deeply of where I was on it and where I'm at now on it. <laughs> but you, you know how we know how we do things around here. Uh, guests go first, so go ahead and give us your final thoughts and rating one scale from one to ten. Okay, if you're gonna frigging remake such a iconic character such as Freddy Krueger, then you got to go in all or nothing. And what they did, like I said, with the makeup, with the hat, with the sweater, with the glove, Jack Earl Haley frigging practicing. And doing his thing to get the voice and the mannerisms down that he wanted for the part. 
everything there, excellently done. If you're going to do that, you have to get the storyline to go along with it. You can't go back and copy a movie that's already been done. You have to make it your own all the way. That being said, this movie had a lot of potential. And it just got, like I said, between the fan hatred because it wasn't Robert England and it wasn't the Freddy they were used to, the friggin' release of uh, the greatest friggin' Blu-ray box set of Freddy collection you could get on the market at the time. Oh, yeah, beautiful collection. Still is. Yes, very much so. Highly recommend picking it up. Um. That being dropped just months before this coming out. And then the studio just going and playing it safe to go, we have to make me make sure that the the people that saw the 1984 Freddy know that this is the 1984 Freddy in 2010. It's like, no, that's well, what you're doing is you are skinning Freddy Krueger and putting him on somebody else and making a movie you've already made but you're remaking your look. So, you know, that being said, this movie had a lot of potential and it just failed. All in all, I'm going to give it a six. You're a little bit more uh, kind than I am. (laughs) Now, I'm going to start this off by giving my rating. My rating when I first saw this movie was a flat-out one. One out of ten. Now, my rating now has gone up considerably. I, I, I think uh, I'm giving it a four, which I feel like is still being generous, but I, I'm also a little more open-minded than I was, you know, 10, 11 years ago when it came out. I feel like production-wise, the movie looked good. A lot of the transitions from Nightmare, nightmare to, you know, from Dreamland and, uh, you know, from Dream World into the real world were done really well. The transitions helped it a lot. There's a couple sequences like when uh, Nancy, or not Nancy, but when Chris goes into Dream World in the middle of the school, that looks really good. The sequence in the pharmacy looks really good. And, you know, besides that, you know, besides of looking good, aside from the wonky fucking CGI, my biggest problem with it, and I hate saying this because I generally like him as an actor, is Jackie Earl Haley. He's I, I'm still of that that nostalgic mindset of that he's just not Robert Englund, and I it's a, it's, it's a problem in my own mind. I can't get past it that it's just not Robert Englund, and I realize that that's more on me than it is on him, and is is on the producers and the actors and the director. But the but still, that being said, I think uh, you know, like I said, I've, I've gone up three whole points on it, you know. I still have to, I would I usually say anything a five or under, I can't r- rightly recommend except to hardcore fans, but I still would recommend people see this movie at least once. Even if you end up hating it, see it at least once, you know, formulate your own opinions, uh, you know, because, hey, there's going to be people out there that still give it a one. There's going to be people out there that I know for a fact are going to give it a 10. And I, I feel sorry for those people. <laughs> But you know, it is what it is. Yeah. Um, but if we all like the same thing, they had the same opinions on it, then we'd have no debates. It'd just be like, yes, I agree with you. Move on. <laughs> you know, we'd all be the same. We'd all be, you know, there'd only be one kind of movie and it'd be, you know, fucking boring as shit. 
I do have a bit, a couple bits of trivia that I want to drop. At one point, they were considering uh, casting Steve Buscemi and or Billy Bob Thornton as Freddy. Now, I love both actors. I don't think either one of them would have been right for Freddy Krueger. Yeah, I can't see Steve Buscemi doing Freddy Krueger. Billy Bob Thornton, on the other hand, maybe. 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 Like I said, that that's a big maybe. I'd ha- I'd have to see a screen test on that one. Now I, I also must note that Kellen Lutz chose not to sleep for two or three days to get himself in the character for his his one scene role as Dean. I think that's commendable to put yourself through that just for the the role. A really noteworthy fact is that Freddie's sweater was put together and knitted by the same woman who knitted the sweater for the 84 Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, Judy Graham. And I think that's uh, notable that they did that. And they actually got input from the fellow. Actually, I didn't write his name down. I wish I would have. But they uh, got input from the fellow who created the Freddy glove in the original 84 for his input on creating the new Freddy glove, as they did for uh, Wes Craven's new Nightmare. So um, that's kind of kind of commendable, to, to, to say the least. Wes Craven uh, was never approached about the remake. He spoke out against it and was not a fan of it. By but Robert Englund was very favorable about the remake and said he the the remake and that the role of Freddy Krueger being handed off to Jackie Earl Haley and that the role was in good hands. So I guess if uh, the, the OG Freddy himself can give it his seal of approval, then the rest of us should just uh, keep our fucking mouth shut. <laughs> I mean, you know what? He's he's not wrong. I mean, Jack Earl Haley is a good actor. I've he's a phenomenal actor. Did you ever see him in Preacher? Yes. Yeah, in the first season of Preacher, he was best role I think he ever played. But that being said, I, I think we we were about as kind as we could be. Uh, on on this movie for a movie that I think neither one of us kind of review, reviewed or favored very well. But we broke the seal and peeled off the Band-Aid on this one and did our first remake. And, uh, whew. whew. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, we'll talk about that time one another time. It's the end of the show, and we don't need to go off on a tangent in our final moments. We need to go off on a high note, kind of like uh, the death of Connie Britton in this movie. You know, Nancy's mother, we, they ended off on a high note, so we will, too, by taking the high road, at least for now. <laughs> well, folks, you have been listening to Cinema Degeneration sequel to Deja Vu, and we have been reviewing and dissecting and generally pooping on A Nightmare on Elm Street, the remake from 2010. I've been your host, Cameron Scott, and this has been my co-host, Eric Phillips. I want to thank you again for uh, taking a couple hours out of your time, you know, to do my show. I always appreciate it, sir. Always a pleasure. And we'll be back later on to bring you some more sequels. Probably not a remake for a little while, but we'll be bringing you back some more sequel goodness here at Sequel 2 Deja Vu. Thanks for listening, folks. Little Nancy, now that you got me, what game do you want to play next? Fuck you. Ooh, sounds like fun. It's a little fast for me.